You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. If you'll open up there, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Like one commentator said, um, Ephesians is, is like the, the treasure box of the Christian's life, and <clears throat> when you open it up and you really do dive deeply into it and find out what all is there, man, it's so rich to see what all God has for us. If you'll remember, hopefully it'll help you if you can kind of keep this in mind as you go through Ephesians, chapters 1 through 3 are kind of like the doctrinal section, kind of tells you and uh, what Christ has done for us, and who we are in Christ, and how solid and secure we are. You know, kind of a doctrinal issue, chapters 1 to 3, but then 4 to 6 is practical, and it teaches us how to live out what God has done for us. And I love that. I love the way God does that, that He steps in and says, now that you know what the facts are, here's how you got to live it out. And this is what a church ought to look like. And man, I I love that. Guys, chapter 4 brings the subject right into a church house, right into a body of believers. And whether we had this building around us or not, if we were sitting out in the field even, as a, we would still be the church because you understand the church is not the, the walls and the lighting and the carpets. The church is the body of believers that's here. And we are the ones that have been given this uh, body of truth called the faith that we live in and live by. So here he's speaking to our church. I want to remind you as we get into this, those first six verses we just covered last week, uh, the first six verses teaches the Christian and the church, here's how our church ought to look, you need to walk in unity and that there are things in the Christian life that are going to cause us to stumble, mess up a little bit, but all in all, when it's said and done, Guys, we need to be walking in unity, walking, so to speak, hand in hand, serving God together. And as issues come up within the body of believers, whether it's here or in our homes or at the workplace, God says we work in unity together as one. Keep that in mind. Now we get into verse 7, and he takes it in a little different direction for the church. And we're going to read down to verse 16. So if you'll uh, follow along... um, I gave a title to this. It's a little bit of a lengthy title. But I'm calling this The Amazing Product of a Properly Functioning Church. The Amazing Product of a Properly Functioning Church. And that's what God's showing us here. In other words, he's like saying here this morning, guys, here's how it's done. And here's what I've done for you to make it possible. Now follow in verse 7. But unto every one of us, big wording there, every one. That means every person sitting in here this morning. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the, don't miss the wording, the gift of Christ. Everyone with a gift of Christ. That's what he wants us to know and to understand. And I'll go into that with some depth here in just a moment. Verse 8, wherefore he saith, 
Now, some of these verses may be a little confusing, but it's very simple to understand, and I'll explain those in, uh, in a little bit here in the message. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, well, you know who that was. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He's using an, an Old Testament analogy, which we'll use as well. Verse 9 says, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Lower parts of the earth is not talking about under the earth or into hell. It's talking about him coming down on earth. Christ came to this earth. What happened while he was here on earth? We're talking about gifts, and we'll explain that as well. Verse 10, he that descended, or came down from heaven, is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, above the air that we breathe, above the stars in the heaven. So he ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things, which means he, he will fulfill all of his promises and everything that his life was intended to do down here. So now he begins talking about some of these gifts. And that's literally what he's doing. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what those gifts are supposed to help do. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, which means to be equipped, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature and, uh, of the fullness of Christ. Notice another thing those gifted people are supposed to help do in verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Those apostles, prophets, preachers, and so on are supposed to help us to be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine that just kind of blows by, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, I'm going to have a word of prayer, but can you look back up here? I know that some of those verses are somewhat lengthy and they have a lot of phrases in them that are, are really rich and deep in their meaning, and yet sometimes they're all kind of seem like they're glommed together and I'm not able to really break it apart and see what God's trying to say to us. Be my intent here this morning to help us to know, what did God just say to us here? I want this congregation, if God took me from heaven tonight, or from, from this earth tonight, and took me to heaven, um, and, and, and the church was left here, my sincere desire as your pastor would be that we would know how to follow this book and what God has taught us to do. So would you pray with me, and let's ask the Lord to bless here in our message this morning. God, I am thankful and grateful to be able to preach the word again and uh, what I am so painfully aware of is my humanity but more encouraged is to know the great strength and power of God and I'm praying and asking God would you please bless your own word give me the ability to be able to explain it in a fashion that would uh, allow us to adopt it into our hearts and I'll thank you for it in Jesus name I pray amen so 
he's talking to us today about us being a congregation. You say, well, he's talking about all the churches. Well, that's true, but as, as I've said every Sunday, I can't preach to every church. I, I just get to preach to this one. And so what I want to say to this church is, God wants us to understand that he wants to gift us. He has gifted everybody in this church uh, with a special gift. He also gives gifts to the church. He named them as um, the apostles and the prophets and the pastors, so on, that are given to the church to be able to help the church do certain things. Now, one of the things that a pastor, and you'll find that as we work our way on down through here, uh, is supposed to be able to do is to help us no longer to be children tossed, you know, uh, about uh, here and there, like out on, a, on, a, on the sea, like the wind's blowing a ship. Just anywhere that wind wants to take it, that little ship will just blow right around wherever the winds are. That's what it wants to do. And so God does not want us to be children any longer, so he gives us certain gifts. Now, my mind's running backwards to a little bit, and I want to uh, give just a little opening illustration to share with you that... Um, so we've got uh, in our congregation, we've got some men that um, are involved in a lot of different kind of works. We've got mechanics and you've got guys that uh, each one of those workers at a mechanic shop don't all have the same tools if they're all uh, working on different parts of a vehicle, for instance, but their whole job is to get a car fixed up. They're all working for the same cause, different tools. Um, we've got guys in our congregation here that uh, all are involved in construction, and uh, we've got guys like Mike that is involved uh, as an electrician, Troy is an electrician, we've got, uh, you know, Carlos, I don't know if Carlos is here with the, the sheetrock, and Juan is in the construction end. All those guys, you go look in their toolbox, and in their toolboxes, they all have some tools that are the same, but largely they have some different tools because they do a different job, but all of them are building a house. When you get done with their tools, they've got a house. When we have a, a body of believers like we have here today, if every believer here understands you all have been given different gifts, or seven gifts that are given in the Word of God, each of you have one of them, and all of them are not obviously not the same because there's seven different ones, but guys, when we get all done with working on the church, the body of believers, then we, we all come together with a, a body in Christ. It's a, it's a, we call it a church, but I have an idea. Many of us think that to come to the church and work, it means working on the building. But in reality, to work on the church is the, the people that are sitting here this morning. All of us are gifted in different ways to be able to help this congregation to, to grow and be what God wants it to be. First of all, I want us to look at the uniqueness of believers in relation to our gifts in the previous six verses, he was talking about how we're the same. We all come together in Christ. We walk together in unity. Now in verse 7, he talks about how we're very different. Look at it again in verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Please understand this, guys. It's very important for every person sitting here to grasp this. When we get saved, and I'm trusting you know the Lord is your Savior today, and I, it's a big deal to me that if there's somebody here that doesn't know the Lord as Savior, that God would speak to your heart and you could come to know Him in a saving way. But when you got saved, you also received a gift from God. It's a spiritual gift. Go over to Romans 12, beginning about verse 5 and 6, and read down through verses 7 and 8. You'll find those seven gifts that God has given to us, and each of us have one of those gifts. Uh, 
Each one of those gifts is intended to be used to, to help build up the church. Our church ought to be a better church. Everybody listen to this. By you having come to church today, our church ought to be a better church because you have been to church today, you've been with the body of believers, and we're willing to use whatever gift God has gifted you with to be able to help this body to be stronger, to be edified, to be built up. And I know somebody's going to say, good grief, all I did was come in, I shook a few hands, put my money in the offering plate, and I walked out. I didn't help this body of believers grow whatsoever. Well, I will tell you this, the smile on your face and the handshake you give to fellow believers edifies or builds up the body. It encourages them. It's better than what we see on the streets out in the city all week long. Amen. You've got somebody that knows Christ, they love the Lord, and you came here with the gift that God has given to you. And I will say, God does want to use you so much more than just the handshake, but it's a good place to get started. And everybody has a gift that would help build up uh, uh, and, uh, and to be able to help maybe me or somebody else sitting beside you to, to be a better Christian. Every one of those gifts is an attribute or a quality of Jesus Christ, those seven gifts in Romans 12. It's as if Jesus was able to peel off a, a quality of him and, and give it to this person, peels off another quality and gives it to you. And seven different uh, qualities Jesus passes out amongst the congregation. Get this. So when this congregation, a body of believers like us, works together, and all seven of those gifts, well, this is so good for my heart, all seven of those gifts are working together. Let's say we were all working building up a young man's life that needs to, to grow up as a Christian now, and, and lots of different church members are helping him to grow up. All those seven attributes about Jesus are being applied to this young man's life. And guess who he begins to look more like when the body of believers uses their gift to help him? It looks more like Jesus. So in this congregation is a body of believers that is intended to help one another begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ. It's tremendous what God is really trying to get across to us. Can you look at verse 7 with me again? But unto every one of us, guys, there's not one of you missing this, if you're saved. Unto every one of us is given grace, and what did that grace do for us? According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, if you weren't in our Sunday school class over the last probably three or four months prior to what I'm on now, uh, then you missed out on what I feel like is a tremendous series from the Word of God, and that is on the gifts of Christ. And we can get uh, for you the, those Sunday school lessons in a little packet. And if you would like to have one, man, I so recommend that you listen to those that will help you to identify what your spiritual gift is and what you could uh, possibly help out doing here in the congregation. All right? So next we see, uh, <clears throat> so Jesus comes down and he gives us all these gifts. And honestly, every one of us have been gifted. How did Jesus earn the right to be able to give gifts to you and me. Well, that's what he was trying to explain in verses 8 to 10. Look at it again in verse 8. Wherefore he saith, and he's just going to draw an analogy, a comparison. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now that, if we're going to talk about him ascending, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first? Now we got to understand why he's making emphasis about that. 
he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth, or down here on earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, can you look up here and I want to explain that. If you want to go back to Psalm 68, you can later today. and You can see a very similar passage of Scripture in relation to what um, Paul was talking about there. But here's what he's saying. In the Old Testament, um, they describe how a general, and I've used this already on Sunday mornings before, but a general would go out into a battle and he would fight against the great enemy that's out there before him. And they were very victorious against the enemy. And because they were victorious... He gathered up all the spoils of that nation whom they have conquered and defeated the enemy. And because they defeated the enemy, he's coming back to his main city. If you remember, we talked about how the the victors would stand outside the gates and wait on the city to line up up and down the streets and they would carry roses and flowers to toss uh, to the victorious soldiers. And then they'd open the gates and here would the general would come riding in on the, the big white horse and white chariot coming down the middle of the streets and behind him was all of the victorious soldiers and with them are all these spoils, all the goods that they had taken from the enemy. And being the victorious general, they would take those gifts and toss them to some of the people along the sidelines and they would give some of those gifts to the people that were a part of the body or of the city or of the palace to be able to be a, a Uh, a part of the great victory that took place uh, with this general. And the analogy is this. Jesus Christ came down to enemy territory, fought against the enemy on Calvary, defeated um, death, he defeated my sin, he defeated Satan on Calvary, went to the tomb, and three days later Jesus came out of that tomb as the victorious captain of our salvation victorious over every wicked thing on this earth jesus christ is uh, the victor and being the victor he wanted to give gifts unto men like a like the general uh, of the old testament would do he would give gifts to men so the day you got saved instantly you were received the gift of the spirit of god through the spirit of god that spirit gives to every one of us a particular gift that we are now able to be able to to use in service for the Lord. And beings that God went to such great lengths to be able to earn and to have the right to be able to have those gifts and to pass them out to us, guys, what a shame. I'm just saying, honestly, what a shame that would be, guys, if we have all these gifts that God has given us and we're just sitting on them. I mean, he gave his life for us and then gave us those gifts and said, now pretty much go get them. In other words, get into a body of believers, become a part of a congregation, a a local New Testament church, and get in there because I have gifted you to get into that uh, church and serve the Lord. God never saved any one of us just to get saved and and then to be able just to sit back and, and enjoy a church service and be a spectator. And that's what largely, if you work your way around the the, uh, the United States, and if you want to go around the world, you can. But largely, church has become a spectator event. People come to be entertained and, uh, and uh, to, to watch and let something happen to them while they are there. Uh, and, and you've got the entertainers uh, up on stage, and I know it's not this way in every church. I get that. 
but largely that's kind of what's happened in, uh, in congregation across the United States. And church members will sit back with a gift that God gave to them at a high price that he paid for it and not really be in service for God. We're just content to come and say, oh, man, I hope the preacher's got a good one today. <laughs> I really, really uh, had a tough week. And uh, man, I, I hope that the message is a good one because I'm going to need some help. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I pray with all my heart that I can have a message that's a, a blessing and a help to you. But I'll also tell you this. I need your help as much as you need my help. And the person around you needs uh, uh, help as much as the next person sitting on the other side. And you say, well, I've got needs in my heart. Well, guess what? Somebody's here to help you grow up today and to be stronger in the Lord. It's what a body of believers is about. And God says, I've given you these gifts for, for that purpose, all right? So um, hopefully you can grasp that and understand the analogy Christ gave to us now. Let's look at, uh, so we're, we're talking, first of all, about the gifts that God gave to every person. Each person has received gifts. Now God begins to tell, well, what did God give for an entire congregation? And that's found in verse 11. This is kind of a corporate gift, not individual gifts, a corporate gift for everybody in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers all right so those are gifts that are given in a general sense to the congregation okay as opposed to those individual gifts given uh, to individuals uh, now that god's believers are, are are gifted for service he now gives men who can help provide godly direction to those believers so first thing he mentions there is he gave some apostles and uh, i have seen some churches that uh, talks about you know that their their pastor or leaders in their church are apostles personally i don't believe there's any apostles left today i think the church was built on the foundation of the apostles but uh, as um, their uh, purpose died off so did their office is no longer really in existence uh, the apostles were that unique group of men chosen by christ and were sent out by christ and who saw the resurrected Christ. Did you hear all of that? I mean, that's what an apostle was. The word apostle simply means one that's been sent out on a specific mission. And Christ's apostles were authenticated by signs and wonders and miracles. And if I could just say it again this morning, guys, it is impossible to have an apostle still in existence yet today. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 20, you want to flip back a page, look in chapter 2 and verse 20 tells us that and uh, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets that the church is built upon their foundation but their purpose no longer is in existence now the church is well established and and moving on he lists the prophets what was a prophet in that day it wasn't like an old testament prophet a prophet was uh, a man in the church for for that time specific only who could either know the word of God, God's giving him uh, some of the word of God that would be a part of the scriptures. And he would be able to give some of the word of God in that way, or that prophet could interpret the Bible at that time. Now, since we have a completed word of God, we call it canonized, it's complete now, the use of those kind of prophets is no longer necessary either. So, um, then Paul mentions the last group that I'll mention here today before we move along. Uh, he mentions the evangelists, 
the pastors and the teachers. And some believe those last two, pastors and teachers, is really just a one office um, man, a pastor teacher, so to speak. And these gifts to the church are intended to help uh, build up the whole body of Christ. So my purpose when you come to church on Sunday mornings, the purpose for a local church and, and the pastor of that church is to try to help build up your life so that when you leave here today, you've been properly fed, you've been given something that you can chew on throughout the week, God would open your eyes to some things and maybe you could realize from the faithful preaching of the Word of God that there are things in my life that need to be laid aside. That's what he gets to in chapter 5 or the end of chapter 4. And there's things in my life that I need to pick up on. I've not been faithful at doing. And so maybe my job would be able to preach the Word of God and strengthen and establish and help an entire congregation. So that's the, the, the purpose of those gifts. Now, or of that, uh, that man, that office to the whole congregation. Now let's look at the purpose of those gifts. Would you drop down to verse 12 again? What's the purpose of them? So why have those things in the first place? Verse 12, so let's end verse 11. Some pastors and teachers, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is a big verse. Please listen to this. That we, and let's take it personally, Eastside Baptists, henceforth no more, be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Did you notice that he doesn't want us to be children any longer? That whatever doctrine just comes your way, you just gobble it up. How many knows that little kids, toddlers, will eat anything? How many knows that? Yeah, you haven't learned that yet? We'll have to take you to the nursery. Um, I was in the front yard one fall day, much like much like this time of season now and in our old house on um, east 14th street yvette was in the house probably making supper i was out in the front yard it was real dusky outside and dark and and the leaves were really damp but i i knew i had to get those maple leaves up or the grass was going to die and i'm raking those leaves and trying to get them into a pile and i was going to have to you know bag them and candace well some people said preacher you shouldn't name your daughters uh okay so one of my middle daughters um I only have three. Um, Candace was in the front yard with me, and, and she was just playing around, doing what every three-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old. She was really young at the time, but toddling around, falling over in the, in the leaves with me, and I, I was having fun with her, and it was company. Well, I, I pulled over one big pile of leaves, and there was this huge night crawler. I mean, uh, just big, fat thing, and you know when you pick them up, they just stretch way out. And I said, Candace, look at this thing, honey. Oh, man, her eyes bugged out, and she ran up, and she grabbed that and was playing with it. It was the neatest thing, and it was cool that day, so it was, a really, it was really cold, the, the night crawler was. And I would rake, and I'd look back and watch her playing with it, and I'd look back to one time, and she was rubbing it on her face. It was so smooth. I'm like, Candace, don't, don't do that, honey. And I kept on raking, and then I looked back again, and the, the, the night crawler was gone. 
So I kind of walked over there, and I looked around on the ground. I looked everywhere I could look, and I said, Candace, where is that, where's that night crawler? I said, no, Candace, where did you throw it? I said, open your mouth. Open your mouth. And she swallowed really hard and opened her mouth. I said, where did the night crawler go? I never did get the answer, but I know what the answer was. I know where the worm went. We had to treat her for worms after that. Okay, that was a bad one. But that's a true story. And you know what's true? I heard another guy, I was listening to some messages and the guys were preaching about the same passage and he was saying the same thing. He said, kids will eat anything. He said it was in the back, uh, one little toddler was with his mom in the garden and she looked up and his, his jaw was all pooched out. She ran over there, spit that out, what's in your mouth? Probably a big dirt cloud or a rock. And he then went to spit it out and finally he spit it out and it was a snail. You know the good news about that? She got it out to me. It didn't go down, unlike Candace. And the problem with, if you bring it into the church house, anybody ready for lunch? Should we just break right now? We'll head out for lunch. Lots of times, children will eat anything. And God says, I've given you some uh, uh, gifts to a congregation that is to you, you've got these evangelists, and you've got, we've got great missionaries. You have a pastor. Um, our job is to help us to grow up. Sometimes to grow up, you've got to tell people, don't eat those things. Don't rub those on your face. And, and please tell me what you stuck in your mouth and went down your throat. But the idea is to keep us from being no more children. Tossed about with every wind of doctrine that comes blowing our way, We'll hear something on the radio, we just swallow it. We watch something on TV program and we just swallow it. We read a, 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 maybe a pamphlet, a religious pamphlet, and, and we just swallow it. And God says, no, if you have a pastor that loves you, he will tell you where things are false, where things are lies, where untruths will make you sick, and things that real churches are not supposed to get into their system. I've given to you men who can help you grow up in Christ. And to be stronger, look at it again. So verse 11 said, he gave some pastors and teachers. What for? Verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting there means to put tools in your hands, to equip you, to know how to serve. That would be my job, to be able to help you with that. Uh, so what, what will tools do for me? For the perfecting of the saints, that's for you guys for the work of the ministry. You know what he just said? That the saints are supposed to be perfected so they can do the ministry. Not so that the preacher can get people to grow up in Christ so that he can do the work of the ministry. That's not what that is saying. If you listen to the voice of God in his word today, my job is to help us all grow up in Christ, spend time with God throughout the week, Give my heart to the Lord and let God feed me throughout the week. Come back and squeeze the sponge and give you what God has given to me through the Word of God. As you get the Word of God, you become perfected. You're now equipped for serving the Lord so that you can um, do the work of the ministry. 
If you ever expect that if, in pray for us, we're trying to get an assistant pastor in here. If you ever expect that me and another man can do the entire work of the ministry and can run around and visit everybody in the hospitals and go and help every person in this church who's got a heartache or a heartbreak and expect that two men can go around to an entire congregation and help us enough that the whole body is still growing, you're sadly, sadly mistaken. And you've missed what the Word of God is trying to say to us here this morning. God is trying to say, I've given every one of you a spiritual gift that you can serve me with. It's one of the attributes of me. And you'll really shine in that area. Now, all the other qualities of Christ, you're supposed to try to emulate and be like those as well, but that one gift really shines in your life. I've given you a, a man. I've given you men that can help you grow in Christ from a pulpit, that he can feed you and help you to be strong in Christ. And as you as a congregation become stronger, then every one of us can now do the ministry. And whether you know it or not, every person sitting in here this morning is in the ministry. Every one of you. And God says, are you doing your job? If you stood before him today, and gave an answer for how I am being obedient to this passage of Scripture. Are you doing the job? I remember telling you about me sitting about where Derek is right now. One missionary was, had preached his message, and I had hoped he would give the invitation. But I sat there engrossed in what he was saying, and I had my leg crossed, listening through the whole message. Guys, don't cross your legs through the whole message. But all of a sudden, the next thing I hear him saying is, Brother Spencer, would you come up here and, and give the invitation? Oh yeah, I threw that leg down, I stepped out into the aisle here, and I took one step with a, with a leg, and the next thing I knew I had a tree stump on the other side of my body. That leg had fallen asleep, it was deader than a doornail, and I tried to take a step and there was no step, and I found that I, what you have to do is you kind of have to kind of drag and sling, and if you sling it just right, you can, maybe everybody behind you is not going to see this, so I just kind of trying to do this casually. And that works till you get to the steps. You really got to do a wide arc on that uh, to get up over that step. And it became obvious I was having trouble. But I hobbled on up here and I eventually got the job done. And you think that was an effective invitation after everybody saw that one guy hobbling around the church? Look at verse 16, though. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. That's members, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Every, you notice the key words there? Every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working and the measure of every part, every body. Notice what happens when everybody's working together, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Here's what he's saying. When a body is functioning properly and every joint, all the tendons and muscles have come together and they're working, nothing's falling asleep, but the whole body decides I'm going to work. I'm going to go to work. Then that body walks nice and smoothly. You get the job done. Things are working great. We are a body of believers, and this is exactly what God is saying. We as a church are a body of believers given a gift to serve with, given men that can help you also grow up in Christ. And when we all come together and work together, every joint 
comes together, every muscle is working together. Okay, when every person in church is working together, it's amazing what can get done for Jesus. Amen. Question is, are you working? Are you serving? Are you even a part of a local body of believers? Uh, I, I, I just so hope you can understand what God is saying here and not what I've tried to get my opinions out. My opinions are worth nothing. But when God tells us that in a church and the members come together and start working, that this book right here will become the light of the world. But until we're all working together, guys, you may as well stick it under the pulpit and just hope every now and then you can pop it out and every now and then maybe somebody will see the word and every now and then something will get done. But I will tell you this, God is looking for people here this morning who will recognize and understand what he has just said to us and say, what can I do? <laughs> you should never see a piece of paper on the parking lot. You should have 20 church members chasing it. This is my job. I want to get this done. I want to serve should never see a weed should never see a need in church that goes unmet when a body of believers like this is working every person Heath is going to mention in a minute that we need the chairs set up out here and I understand not all of us go running and pick up all those chairs and put them out there but we need to do that for our African ministry that's going to start up here in just a little bit after we're done and um if I could just be real honest with you guys, um, the work of uh, visitation here is real slack. And that's why I've worked so hard on maybe we can all of us work together all week long. And maybe you don't come on Thursday night on visitation, but all of us need to be working, providing that which every joint, every joint supplieth. Uh, there's a lot of areas that could use some help. And if you're not a part of this body of believers, we would welcome you to become a member of Eastside Baptist Church and join and be what God would want us to be in this body of believers. Do you know him as Savior? Do you know him as Savior? If, he, if you died today, do you know without doubt you'd be in heaven? And if not, I would challenge you to know this Christ who gave his life to give his church what he's given to us here. So I hope and pray you let God have his will and have his way in your heart here this morning. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.